The Money Podcast with your hosts, Justin Harrison and David Bester. Money, 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 money. Let's talk about money. Today we've got a true legend joining us. Val Bartman is a former South African Springbok rugby player and he is tough as nails. After his incredible rugby career, he went on to build South Africa's largest private security firm called Fidelity Security Services. Fidelity plans on going public on the JSE in 2023. But today, we are not here to talk about Val's successful career. We want to hear about Val's relationship with money. Val, welcome to the show. It's great having you here today. No, thank you. And it's great to be on the show. So Val, I'd like to know, for people who have been living under a rock and who don't know who you are, can you sum up your career and give us your biggest career lesson you have learned today? Well, you know, I grew up in a family. They've been in the business. My father started the business and... uh, you know, from a very young age, we all worked in the business. So on holidays, Decembers, whenever everybody went on leave, we worked. And uh, I think, uh, you know, if you have a good example of somebody that you can look up to and work with and support each other and work together as a team, uh, it's great. So would you say teamwork is an essential part of your career? I mean, obviously, as a rugby player, teamwork is an essential thing. Would you, would you translate that into your career? No, 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 definitely. I think, uh, you know, when you're small, you can do everything. But when the organization starts getting big, you need people that really that you can rely on and and support. And I I think in our business, that's typically the case. There's people. And if you look at the people, how many years they've been in our business, the loyalty to the group and to ourselves and to everybody is great in our business. So Val, I want to come back to Val personally. I want to come right back to the heart of Val Bartman. I want to come back to the Bartman family, to the early days. And I cry some hunderflies here as I'm talking about it because this is stuff that not a lot of people get to talk about. When we talk about wealth creation, people often don't go back to those early days when you battle, when you sickle. What is your earliest memory of wanting to create wealth? What is your earliest memory of thinking about wealth and how did you conceptualize it? Well, I think being in the family... Uh, working my father as i said started with nothing uh, we entered in with him we saw the difficult times and 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 it's been a long road i think people see and and i think then you think uh, to yourself and you say you know what we can make it we we can grow our business and you always look up to all the other major companies out there and you say well maybe we'll be like one of those we can get there and uh, you know start believing in yourself and believing in the brand that you've got I think it's taken us to where we are today. And so growing up, was there anyone specific that you looked to beyond your father? Because I, I gather your dad was a huge source of inspiration. But beyond your dad, was there anyone specifically beyond rugby, beyond that, specifically in the realm of money and wealth that you looked towards and said, maybe that's somebody who's somebody I'd like to emulate in life? Well, there, there were many, many people that, that were involved. And if you look at rugby, you look at uh, Louis Leite, uh, who started Triumph Fertilizer. He was involved there, what he's achieved. And, uh, you know, as a youngster, when I was at university studying law, uh, we had to get back from Bloemfontein. And he said, listen, you can come back with me in our jet. And uh, when I got to his house, he says, I'm going to just want to phone my mother. He says, no, no, wait, we'll give you a car. And he opens up the garage. And there's about 10 Mercs out there. And uh, he gave me one of those. And unfortunately, when I came back, I scratched it. So, uh, <laughs> so I think there's, there's a lot of people. You look at it, and I think one thing is that money shouldn't be the only thing that drives you. I think 
if you enjoy something that you do, it will take you there in any case. You need to be committed to it. And I think, you know, the way that we've been grown up. The other thing is I had uh, a huge family in the business, so all the brothers. I'm the youngest of all the brothers, so my father decided at one stage nobody wanted the job as CEO, and uh, uh, they said, well, you can take it, and, and uh, that's, that's where it ended up. Well, you know, the interesting thing is we've been talking to captains of industry over the last while, and we talk about wealth a lot because for the average person on the street wanting to figure out how to get beyond their daily struggles, wealth is often this thing that they aspire to. And for a lot of captains of industry, it turns out that wealth often wasn't the goal. And this is something that's super interesting because a lot of people think that wealthy people, this is what they set out to attain, that wealth was the goal. But often wealth is a byproduct of many other things. And for most of the captains of industry, especially in South Africa, it has been a result of wanting to do good in the community, wanting to build family legacy. There's been a lot of other things other than primarily wealth. And it's amazing to hear you say something like, you know, money shouldn't just primarily be the goal because ultimately that's a very empty goal, right? No, definitely, and I, and I think uh, that that's what I'm always saying to people is that if you want to concentrate, and a lot of times we, a lot of people in our business wants to run it, operating our MOSH report, monthly operating state, and they want to run the business. And says, guys, if you look at the business, the business will look at the MOSH. So you'll see that. So if you do the basics right, and I think it's in anything, it's in, in sport and rugby, everything. If you just want to go out there and win, you might not win. But if you do the basics right and you build on that, you will win. It gets there, it gets to it. So if you do all those things right, you'll be successful. You know, something we've been talking about a lot in, in our podcast over the last while, we talk about the value of values around money. We talk mm. about in the family environment, how important it is to have a strong head of the household, how it's important to bring the structure back into the family, especially when it comes to money, because money is a very, we always say money is a good yardstick to how people conduct themselves in terms of values. And it's all very well criticizing the government and criticizing everybody out there. But if your own house is not in order, then it's hard to criticize. And I think what you're saying is, is so invaluable to people. We've really got to get our home structures right. It's coming back to the basics. So going back to the basics, I would like to know, you obviously have a lot of success now in your, um, in your career with Fidelity, but I want to go back to your personal life. What has been the biggest mistake you have made with money when it comes to money in your personal life? Well, well, I must and, say, Paul is shifting I'm, 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 in his chair. Yeah. And then I, 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 I want to know what, what you learned from that one. You know, I, I studied law and uh, I finished the LB and I played rugby and I played provincial. And those days they had the Rand Easter show. So I was good at me. I go there. We were still amateurs, but we got a bit of money those days. And in any case, I went there and I wanted to buy a swimming pool. I wanted to. And this guy probably saw me on a long distance coming and well how's it and you know the big thing and we we're going to build you the best pool everything that we can you will never forget this it will have a beach entrance and everything and he said to me but you know what we only need 50 percent deposit so uh, you know that's oh, great this oak is there and at the end of the day i paid the 50 percent deposit two years later i was still fighting to get this pool sorted because <laughs> i was playing rugby in 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 natal i was commuting up and down and when i got up here if i stood in the pool it would only take me to my stomach and uh, it wasn't right and he said well you needed explosives and everything so a lesson that i've learned is i don't pay more than 50 percent deposit i actually pay <laughs> 40 or less so uh, that's one of the lessons learned from a young age 
I think that's such a great lesson. I've personally been through that myself. You know, we, we talk about this in our family all the time. Having built many properties, done lots of development, boy, I've lost a lot of money paying more than 50% deposit, unfortunately. Also, I think the other thing is what you see is not always what you get. Mm. People would come in, and I think that's a big thing, and, and I think where a lot of people are going wrong is that you can tell people, we can tell people how great our business is. Mm. But and what I'm saying to everybody is, to go back and to renew that contract, I can't, they know the security officer is sleeping mm. or what is our weaknesses? How are we going to fix it? And how are we going to make sure that we retain that business? So it's not only the impression that you give there. It's also what you deliver and take it the extra mile. So we've had a couple of people feeling like they're in the hot seat here. So uh, I like seeing you shift a little bit there. It's, it, 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 <laughs> it gives me a little chuckle here. But we're going to give you a slightly easier question now. So... Looking back on your success with money and assuming you've made some really good decisions, personally, obviously now, what would you say has been your best decision around money? If you could choose one decision that you've made when it came to money and not just why was it a good decision, but what is the thing that you've learned out of that decision? Well, uh, to answer the question, I think if, if you refer to us, I think that I've personally invested a lot of my money back into this business. I knew what, what it was. I knew what it could deliver and I had faith and I had faith in the team and everything that this is where we should well I should invest my money and uh, you can go into the markets I think there's a lot of things that you see but you never know Mm -hmm. and to look at the management of businesses uh, and then also you know I had a few friends the uh, attack group and many years ago when they just started I invested a bit with them into their business Um, And people have given me the opportunity. And if you look at the team and the way that they operate, definitely uh, that was some some of the right decisions I've made. I think that's some good advice there. So we we do a lot of stock investing as well. And we always tell people the numbers can look good. But if there's no good management team behind the company, it's not going to go anywhere. No, definitely. And I I think, uh, you know, that's where... You need a good management team. And I think we've gone through COVID. Mm. Uh, we've seen what we've done. You've never experienced something like that before. We've gone through the lootings. And mm. I must say, in each and everything, I think you also need to be positive. If, yep. if you're a negative person, you're not going to do it. So in all of this, there's always something positive. You just need to look at, look for that opportunity and what you can do to, to make it positive. So if you look at our business, I think after the looting, it was definitely mm. people saw what we can do, what is our capabilities, mm. etc. And I think those are the lessons that we've learned. We've, we've seen COVID, what that has done to our, the country, to everybody, and what I mean is it's gone, it's over, and we need to take the next step. Yeah, so you touched on something there now. You, you talked about the looting and you talked about a security officer sleeping on the job, you know. So in the security of, uh, in the security business, you guys obviously face a lot of issues, right? A lot of things, I mean, regulations, you've got looting, you've got crime in South Africa. So it's not always good times. I mean, there's a lot of difficult times you guys are experiencing. So my question is, what motivates you during those times? I mean, there must be a lot of times where you feel that your back's up against the wall. What motivates you to keep going and keep coming in, doing this every day? Well, all that, what you've mentioned now, is actually creating new business. Mm. Crime is more, and it is 
there's not many customers that phone in every day and tell us how great our business is <laughs> and how well we're doing, but you need to deal with it. And I, and I think that that's the curveball that, that will always be there. And, you know, a lot of people will say, yes, we're in a very difficult business. We, we are in a difficult business. We deal with service. It's a service we deliver, and that service every day gets measured. And you need to make sure that you deliver it. But then I speak to some of my friends as well, and they're in different businesses. And they've got the same challenges. They've got also these curveballs coming to you. And uh, you need to stay focused and you need to stay positive. And, and as I said, if you look at our business and the group and at myself as well, I think to stay positive through this, yes, it does get difficult. But, you know, like Muhammad Ali said, you know, act like the champion, even if you're not the champion. Sometimes you walk up and you had one or two vehicle bombings and you lost a few million in, in the cash and transit industry, people are looking up and saying, well, what are we doing? Hmm. And you need to come up with those answers and solutions and, and there's a team that supports us. So would you say it's the, the challenge that motivates you or is it the love for the job that you are in? Definitely, I think the love for the job. I think one thing about the business that we're in, in there's not one day that's the same. Hmm. It's either a great opportunity that's there or a problem that you need to solve or something else. So definitely it's the love of the business that that's there. But also I think being competitive, the challenge is always there to see how can we solve things. We spoke earlier about load shedding. Mm. What are we going to do to make sure that we reduce crime during load shedding? How do we manage it? And of course there are different solutions that are coming up and products that could be solved. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in the States. I spent four years building businesses over there, and uh, I came back to South Africa, and a lot of people questioned why. And I said, you know, this is one of the rare places in the world where there's a lot of problems that need to be solved. And as a problem solver, this is like heaven. And if you enjoy solving problems, what a place to be, right? No, definitely. I think if you look at, there's so many curveballs in South Africa, and if you look at, and uh, I can mention it, if you look at our police force and, 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 and what they're doing and crime and the increase in crime and everything goes to unemployment, which mm. everything creates and makes this whole problem just much bigger. Mm. And I think for us also, our staff members, I think they're also proud. We've just issued a share scheme where, where we're staff members that's been with the business for more than 10 years would be entitled to shares mm. in our business. So I think also the other is, not only to look at yourself, but also to look at your full team. Mm. How do you incentivize them? How do you support them? And how do you get them to be on the same team as you? Now, Val, speaking about your team, and, and I obviously would like you to look outside of yourself when I ask you this question. Look at this not as an entrepreneur. What would you say is the number one skill set that people should acquire right now, today, to earn money, to make money, to accumulate wealth. If you looked at your staff and you could give them one skill set and say, this is a skill set that's going to help your family generate generational wealth, what would you say it is? There's one definitely, and even if you've got the skill or don't have the skill, it's never to give up. What I mean is, and I'm, uh, some days I'll say to the guys, you know what? If you wake up tomorrow morning, the sun will shine again. I love that. And it will shine. Might be a bit misty, overcast, whatever but you need to keep on going. And I think we've seen it so many times that guys have been almost there mm -hmm. and they throw in the towel. Mm -hmm. uh, to go that extra one round to fight and, and it gets difficult. You know, the old saying is when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Yes, everybody cannot get to the top, but 
there's a lot of people that will get close to the top mm. and will achieve their whatever is expected of them. I love that. So I want to go back to the personal life again. So you obviously have um, your family working with infidelity as well. You've got a lot of old rugby mates that you have. Has your success changed in any way in terms of those dynamics with the family and friends that you had? And have any of those relationships changed? Have it stayed the same? It does change. I think it never stays the same. We had a 1990 Curry Cup. For the Blue Bulls, I should actually mention it, we had a reunion. We beat them in 1990 against all odds. And I think that's the other thing. Many times the odds would be against you. But how many times when you take on those odds, you would beat the odds? And I think that, that that's what everybody should do. Even if it looks like it's uphill, you know, you can reach the top and do what you need to do. So, yes, I, I think it has changed. I think you're where you are, I think, in, in business, it's also who do you deal with, etc. So, definitely, it does change in that environment. But also, your friends, uh, I've got a lot of friends that I've been with friends many, many years. And, you know, you've got a handful of friends that will always, they will always be there. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah, some of them are, are still rugby players. Uh, myself and Andre Fenter, Gary Tarkman, a lot of us, Dick Muir are still great friends. So uh, even if we don't do business with each other, all of them, the friendship is still there. Is there any lessons you learned from that as your career grew and um, dealing with these personal relationships? You know, people, a lot of people say to you to do business with your friends is not always a good thing. In some cases, yes. Some of the gentlemen that I've named, uh, I do business with them. And they're just as committed as, as I am about our business. So definitely... Yeah, I, I think sometimes, you, you know, you grow out apart from each other and uh, different scenarios. And uh, unfortunately, also, I think you get people that just wants to be your friend of your position that you're in. And, and unfortunately, you need to be wide awake to pick up and see that that's the reason they want to be your friend. We often use rugby as an analogy in our business because I think it's such a great uh, universal set of laws for life, actually. And, you know, we talk about doing business with people who have the same team spirit as you, the same value system as you, but also that you're only as good as your last game. That's true. And even good players go bad, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, and, and I think that's a fact. And I think that's part of, of your strategy as well is to look and see where you are and where you should change. And, and things change. I see with my son, it's, it's a total different approach. Mm. The younger generation coming through, they look at it differently then, then we're looking at it. So now this is purely hypothetical because obviously touch wood, this would never happen to anyone. But let's say you had to go through a situation where you lost everything tomorrow. You lost your contacts, you lost your credibility, you lost your name, you lost everything you had and you were standing at point zero. But you still had the knowledge you had today. Where would you start? What would your starting point be to build yourself back up again? So if you don't have your context, you're going to start from scratch. And, and, and what you're going to have to do is you have to, I think the knowledge that you have, I'm going to have to use that start up again, even if it's small, and make sure that I can start up again. So the knowledge that you've got, nobody can take it away from you. You've got it. You've built that building blocks. And I would definitely go into what I know the best to try and go and sell it to any individual that I think that is interested in it. And look at those opportunities and, 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 you know, you can't be everywhere, but there are always certain people that are looking for something specific. And if you have the right knowledge and product, you'd be able to sell that to them. 
I think that's such a perfect answer because we, we, how often have we said to yeah, people stick within your area of competence? You know, so many times people jump around and they often miss the opportunity but not sticking within their area of competence long enough to succeed. I agree with you. I think that's in your blood. So the lessons learned, you go into a new something that you don't know exactly how it's put together. You know, don't know where you're going to fail. Uh, I'm yeah. not saying you're going to fail always, but I think... Yeah. My mother always told my father, Schoenmaker, are you by your Lisa? You need to stick to, to what you know. And, uh, you know, I've also seen a few times that we've gone into different directions, etc., and it always didn't work. So yeah. uh, definitely, I think, in the knowledge that I've got, and as I said, I studied law, I've also got a few other, I think I'm good with labor, the unions, those kind of things. So mm. definitely that's an area that I could also go into if I don't want to start up with what we've had. Mm. Mm. So I know earlier you mentioned that a really important skill to have is perseverance, you know, to, to never give up. But I want to know when it comes to money financially, what is the single best advice you can give people when it comes to finances? I think sometimes, and not everybody, you need to get a gut feeling. You know, people will tell you, certain things and to invest in certain things to do your homework to make sure and make sure that it's not an as we said you know a showroom that looks great everything the pamphlets is great and that goes back to the swimming pool story <laughs> everything was great and probably it caught another few guys as well but definitely to do an investigation to see what it is and to see if the opportunities are there i said earlier we are, i looked at Steinheist last night and, and you look at that and yes a lot of things are looking great out there mm. which is not what it is it, it, it's not there you know i often talk about uh, coming from slightly blue collar working backgrounds western area Krugersdorp, and there's a lot of areas coltonville i can i can go on and there's a lot of areas around the country but it breeds a different kind of human being because you're naturally skeptical right there's a skepticism when you look at anything i say blunk then there must be a problem. And I think that skepticism comes from having worked really hard for your money, having really mm. ground hard for your money. And I think sometimes as we make money, it becomes too easy to make poor decisions. So what you're saying, I really love that. It really resonates deeply with me. And I think it will resonate with a lot of people. You've got to look at the things that you look at and look at it properly. Shiny pamphlets alone, you've got to go on your gut. No, definitely, and I think where you've seen it in investments and properties, yeah. everything telling, yeah. everybody telling you, and if the deal is too good, you need to make even more sure that it's 100% because we've seen that I've also once or twice have gone through that trap yeah. uh, that, that everybody tells you return is going to be so great. Yeah. Take it, cut it in half, and see if your numbers still make sense. Yeah. So, Val, obviously it's a tough time in South Africa. It's a tough time around the world. The entire country is hurting after COVID. The recession is definitely not doing most people favors. Yep. And let's be honest and frank, governance in this country is an all-time low as far as we're concerned from a business perspective. We think there's a lot that could be done better, but we see glimmers of hope in the private sector. We see people who are really taking charge, who are standing up as leaders and saying things that need to be said. And so I would like to ask you, are there any final words of inspiration that you have for South Africans listening to this in these very tough times? Yes, I think if you look at it, um, you know, and a lot of my friends have been overseas, I think the life that we've got in South Africa, the weather, you, you can't compare it with anything else in the world. It's great. 
the opportunities are here, and, and, and it is difficult. Definitely, I see that uh, there is a future for us here in, in South Africa. I believe that it can only get, get better. I think we at the lowest point currently. We're struggling, and you know, you look at our power supplies and a lot of other things. Definitely, I think there is a turn, and I think the private sector is also playing a much, much bigger role in the economy to get to a point where we can turn this around. Great advice. Great advice. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I think a lot of people are going to find this talk very helpful. Um, you shared a lot of great advice um, coming from your own career. We wish you all the best going ahead into the listing as well, and then obviously with your personal life as well. Thank you very much, and it's great to be on the program. Thank you, Val. You've been listening to The Money Podcast. To get access to our future episodes, please subscribe to our podcast via your podcast app. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel, Global Money Academy.